Brave a moment with Brenny. A moment with Brenny. Brave a moment with Brenny. Me? Brave a moment with Brenny. A moment with Brenny. Brave a moment with Brenny. Why? Brave a moment with Brenny. Brave a moment with Brenny. With Brenny, let's do it. You are now pressing play on Brave A Moment Podcast and pause on all the distractions that no longer serve you. Welcome to a feel-good exploratory lifestyle podcast where you come as you are and leave a little more as you truly are. Thank you for joining me, Brenny, on my journey to simply be and discover more about myself, others, and the world. For each episode, I invite an experienced guest to help me on my journey by introducing a moment for me to brave or embody for one week, incorporating specific steps, brave steps, while sharing their wisdom, experience, and connection to that topic. I am so happy that you are here listening. Let's get into it. Be brave. Welcome to Brave a Moment Podcast. I'm so excited to introduce today's guest. His name is Kong. Hello, everybody. Woo! So, Kong, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, yeah, Brenny said my name is Kong. I work at the University of Minnesota as an assistant residence director. Some cool things about me, I collect watches. I have over 12, 13 watches now. Or some other hobbies I have are 3D printing. I started doing more of that recently. And I like to go out to eat a lot. So there's that. Great. So, Kong, how did we meet? So, working here at the University of Minnesota in residential life, I worked with you last year in Territorial Hall when you were hired on to be a community advisor. So, I supervised you last year. Yeah, this is true. What was your first impression of me? So, my first impression, obviously, you were part of the Healthy Foods, Healthy Lives, Living Learning community. So, I was like, dang, okay, she knows how to uh, eat good food or really take care of herself. Um, (laughs) And so, I found that out more when I first met you during our welcome event. And I thought, she's really put together. Just you, you were really prepared. And so, that was like my first impression yeah do you want to know what my first impression of you was yeah sure yeah yeah i don't remember the exact like moment that i met you but i remember walking away with the impression of you're kind of like reserved especially in comparison to me maybe like Mm. if we're not friends yet you know like the way that we present ourselves to strangers is kind of different where i'm I don't know. I just feel like I talk a lot and you're just like a little more shy. That's the way I perceived you in the beginning. But you're really kind. And I would also say throughout getting to know you a little bit in the beginning, I would describe you maybe as simple, but not in a bad way. Like you're not like a simpleton. But I just think that you were very self-aware of who you are and the things that you do like. Like I could name a couple of things like immediately after maybe seeing you once which is okay this man loves bubble tea he loves his friends and he loves like hanging out with people yeah i i really like that you said simple just because i really like keeping things minimal Mm -hmm. um and just like not being too complicated but yeah you're right i do love bubble tea i cut back a lot more now Mm. um but i do love spending time with my friends i think that is one of my 
biggest they're just such a big part of my life and that that's I love sharing about my friends for sure I would also describe you as people oriented definitely in how you talk about your friends and how the nature of your job is kind of overseeing a lot of people trying to nurture connections and foster those connections with other people especially for those who this is their first year in college so I definitely saw that in you you're also very dedicated to the things that you have to do even if it were things like getting a bunch of snacks and a bunch of food and just I just see you come in with boxes and boxes of food and stuff food we're coming back to the topic every time and you're also like very go with the flow you're not super I would say like you're organized but you're not uptight you're not super type a but i think you're still like respectful when it comes to honoring people's time and things like that yeah big big part of my job always around food i i think um it always comes back around that even just i mean every day every day work and even actually near the end of the day when i'm winding down i'm watching food videos too so it's like everything Mm. is all about food food would be secondary to the job after like let's say i go i go out to eat with my friends after that or like it my schedule would be like oh i have dinner with my friends this day i need to work during the day that x day and y day and so yeah great well i think this segues great into the next segment what you're gonna brave today Today's topic is eating. Woo! So the reason why I thought eating would be a really perfect third episode for season one, not so basic, basic moments, is that we all eat, right? So it's something that kind of unifies us. And this is definitely not to say that we're just going to be talking about eating as like how to eat healthy. It's more about what is your relationship, your connection to food? What is the meaning of the food itself? And what is that experience like? And so for me, it's something I've wanted to explore more because I'm not always intentional in the way that I eat. I've alluded to it before that I do tend to be a really busy person. So even right now, I had a presentation right before this recording session, so I didn't get to eat. So I have a yogurt over here and I'm not being mindful or intentional with it i'm kind of just shoving yogurt in my mouth when i can instead of like sitting down having a good meal away from electronics and maybe with friends or just being able to pay attention to what i'm actually eating and taste it instead of just being like oh i just need this so my stomach won't growl so i think for me i've been known as someone who can eat a lot especially for her size (laughs) can you comment on that i feel like you've commented on that before when we've eaten in the dining hall I, I don't know. I might have seen it, but I, I usually refrain from making comments about what mm. people eat because uh, that's good. It I mean, it, people take in as much food as they they need, and if you you know it it varies with uh, different people, and so I just refrain from saying, "Hey, you're you're." I think you're eating too much because that's not my place mm. to say to say that, and so that's why I might have never mentioned it. Yeah. Know. No, I think that's good. I think that people get very self-aware sometimes mm-hmm. with either how little they eat or how much that they eat or what they eat, that there's can be a lot of judgment with that. So I think that asking more of like, how are you feeling could be better, like after you eat, if you are going to inquire about it at all, if mm-hmm. you're concerned or something. I think even at work, my boss has commented and other people who I work with 
like, where do you put all that? Like, how do you have so much <laughs> space to like eat all that food? And so, yeah, I know that my eating habits are the best because sometimes I can go like a full day without eating. When I do eat, sometimes I eat a lot because I hadn't eaten like that whole day. If I'm busy or stressed, sometimes I can go days without eating. I don't really eat breakfast. So this is bad. So I need help. And so when I was thinking about who has a good relationship with food that I feel like I can learn from, I thought of you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Cool. And so it's not necessarily that, oh, Kong eats the healthiest or he has the best diet or the best plan. It's more so that it makes you so happy. And as you were describing earlier, you structure a lot of your days around important meal times, which I don't do. I try to fit in meals like in the tiny crevices of my calendar or on top of other things <laughs> that I'm doing. So I definitely thought of you, especially because I don't know if you remember this, but we did a presentation mm-hmm. about ourselves and like 90% of our presentation was about food. There's a ton of pictures of food. Every story kind of related back to food. If you were talking about Vietnam, mm-hmm. you were talking about food. If you're talking about your friends, you're talking about food. And I think that's awesome. I, I really appreciated hearing that that's something that you take pride in being able to really make time for. My relationship with food is just great. I think it is really important for me to do that because I I have been where you were, where I am so busy that it's just, hey, I'm just going to grab, have Jimmy John's delivered to me and I'm going to eat it in my car while I'm driving to the next place, right? Like, don't really have time. And there, there are times where that is necessary, right? Like when you're you're working, you're doing, you're busy going from one place to another. But then there are also other times where you really need to just sit down, have a conversation with your friends, or just have a, like a, a one-to-one time with with whoever you're with, and just really build your relationship and enjoy a meal together. Because I read somewhere in undergrad what, that people are happier when they're in front of food, and so like mm. that's always something that I'm like, oh, okay. true for student groups and events That's bring true. food they're there they're always there for food there for food and leave um, <laughs> that's why I value the importance of food it's it's not necessarily the the taste of it most of the time like yeah you want to go somewhere good but it's the quality time that you're spending with your friend or whoever you're getting to learn about is really important or even well. yourself Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I definitely think I want us all to think about how we are taught how to physically eat when we're babies, but we're not taught much about how to intuitively eat. Like, how do you know if you're hungry or you're actually thirsty or you're just bored? Mm-hmm. Or how can you listen to your body and eat in a way that makes you feel good and not just look a certain way? Or how can you use food and eating to connect with other cultures, people, places, and experiences? I watch Red table talk have you heard of that no it's a facebook video started by jada pickett smith three generations so her her mom and then her daughter willow will smith recently i guess it wasn't too long ago he called like an emergency family meeting to talk about eating and they talked about like their bowel movements they talked about all these their relationship to eating and found it was all very different and that food kind of stress them out in a certain way but everyone would look at that family and be like oh they're perfect they're healthy they look great Mm -hmm. and then even will smith shared about how he could master diets but he never ate to feel good and so they actually like pulled in a nutritionist and a dietitian and a 
and a holistic functional medicine physician and, and talked about it. So I'll definitely link that video in the description if you want to watch it. But I think it was just really cool to see that because I think even with families, we don't talk about it. It was in my family. We don't talk about, hey, what's your relationship with food? You know, or like, mm-hmm. how do you feel when you eat? Or how many times do you poop a day? Like those just <laughs> are things that yeah. we talk about. So it's really cool to see that family talk about it. Yeah, I there's so much to be said about that because I think it you mentioned they had a dietitian come in and just examine like okay what is healthy food for you all right like I think that is so strange to me in in that because I think about the way that I was raised with food and how for example I if I go to the the doctors they're like okay, you're here and here and here in your biometrics and you need to you need to eat healthier, right? Like air quotes about eating healthy. What does that mean, right? Like I, I eat Vietnamese food a lot, right? I eat a lot of ethnic foods and what their idea of like eating healthy is like, okay, you need to have this amount of pasta, this amount of blank, and I, I don't know how I can fit into that category. That's one thing that I thought about, right, when you, you said earlier. The other thing that I thought was interesting is how when I was raised, we, in my family, a lot of Asian families, right, they don't, speaking for myself, we don't really say I love you to one another, right? But our way of showing care to one another is my mom would always ask me, have you eaten yet? Mm. Do you want to eat? And that's how she would show care to my friends when they came over. Have you guys eaten yet? And so the more that I grow up, the more that I was like, why did she always ask us if you wanted, wanted to eat, right? Like, And so going growing up and going to college, I realized that like other people were experiencing the same things. And I'm like, well, I think that's the way that they show care, right? And my, my dad, my mom, like just everybody in my family. Kind of like their too. love language. Yeah, yeah. And instead of saying, I love you um, explicitly to someone, um, that's how they show that they love you, right? Mm -hmm. Is, hey, have... have the last piece of food here. Mm-hmm. In Vietnam, like, I remember when my grandma was alive, she would give me the drumstick of the chicken when we would have chicken because that's, like, that the the, the baby or, like, the, the favorite kid of the family would get that, right? That, that's how... The symbolism. We, the symbolism of that, like, showing, hey, this, you're... I care about you, so eat this piece of the chicken because it's good. It's the best part of the chicken, so here, have it. And so I thought about that a little bit yeah thank you for sharing that i that's really cool for me to hear just the different ideas that you grew up with because i'm asian as well but i grew up in a white family but i also think even i talked about this in a couple episodes how i was really close to my best friend disney her parents and her family her mom's from laos and she would definitely do that to her and both her and her dad too would always be like, oh, have another serving, eat more, mm-hmm. eat more of this. Can I get you anything else? Uh, when's the last time that you ate? So I definitely think like that is for sure a way of share of showing affection. And I think that's also cross-cultural too. I've heard of friends and other cultures too, maybe like Nigeria and Somali. Like that's just kind of how they 
show their care as you were saying so i think that's really cool so my last question before we jump into some research points is why did you say yes to being on the show being on this episode about eating well i said yes because this is really cool wanted to be supportive of you right but also like just thinking about how many other people out there are going through their day and just eating to get by right like just eating because that is for their survival and it's really a privilege for me to be able to talk about this in in this way right like I'm able to talk about how I live to eat right like I I want to experience different cultures and just really learn more about other things and I want other people to hear that like it's okay to do both there's certain times that you can do one and do the other like it it doesn't not one of them is not right Mm -hmm. yeah it's not one is better than the other it's they you have to do what you have to do right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah when i was younger my i remember clearly we were sitting at home and my dad was telling me you i don't know what it was we were eating something and i was like i don't want to eat that and he said you're you're lucky that we're here and i i have to eat to live but you get to live to eat. And what do you ne- mean by here, like America? In America, yeah, because we um, we moved here when we were when I was eight. So been here about oh geez, math, eighteen years. I'm 25 now, so y'all listeners do that math for me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I I never realized the importance of that saying until actually maybe college and the more that I think about it after our conversation right like I'm like I'm so lucky to be able to do that because my dad coming over here he had to take you know he he worked he worked in the factories and just taking lower wage jobs just so we could survive right we could he could provide for my sister and I my mom too so I never realized how important that was until I grew up and started making money of my own and going out to eat now fairly often and I'm like well I only got here because of my parents I am able to get the education that I have to be able to make this money because of my parents they never got the luxury of thinking about okay where am I gonna go eat tomorrow like I'm gonna go home and cook some food to save money is that that's their thinking right like I'm gonna eat the leftovers so we don't spend more money whereas on my end I get to go if if I want to right I could go out to eat right after we're done recording this right like and I could call my friend up and do do that. And I have the luxury of being able to explore different cultures, explore the meaning of where this food comes from, how it came about to be, and how it got to my plate, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can explore those. Otherwise, thinking about my dad, even now, he, he doesn't care about that, right? He's just hey, here's some food that I want to eat tonight and I'm just going to do it. So I think there's a lot of privilege in being able to to go out to eat like I do and so and enjoy the food of right, different like cultures. Take your time mm-hmm. and not have to be worried about the next thing that you're running off to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, thank you for sharing that. Bam! So each episode, we talk about some research points. So I I hop on my computer, do a little research, nothing too heavy, not a huge literature review or anything. But upon a few Googles, I realized food is super scary. This show isn't about scaring people, so I'm going to try to stay away from some of those scary facts. But if you're interested, literally Google food facts and you'll be hit with a ton of info that will maybe make you never want to eat again. Like one example. 
that made me kind of was that you know one hamburger patty you're eating hundreds of cows yep i didn't even think about that i guess that like you're not they don't just take one cow and bake okay this is the meat from this cow and then it's just one patty like i'm sure they put all the meat in one and just make a bunch of patties from that Mm -hmm. anyway that's just one other more facts i'm going to focus on is kind of like more statistics on more broad things, but also more cultural specific things. So we're gonna do a little trivia game with Kong. So he's gonna guess. So I'm gonna ask him some questions fast, like rapid. First thing that you don't get a ton of time to think about this, okay? Okay. okay. So the average American spends how many minutes per day eating and drinking beverages? 120, probably more. It's lower. It's 67 minutes per day. Summed up together, the average person spends a staggering how many hours eating and drinking in their lifetime? Uh, 10,000 hours? That's a lot. A little higher. (laughs) Oh, 15? No, 12,000 hours. (laughs) 12,000 miles. Um, (laughs) 32,098 hours eating and drinking, which our episode on sleeping... I can't remember. We have to look back on that. But we spent a ton of time. We spent like, what, seven years sleeping? And then we spend, I don't know how many this is in years. Hold on, I'm going to calculate it. So that's about 3.65 years eating. Wow. Mine's probably higher. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's another one. In a 2012 study, what percentage of Americans believed their, that doing their taxes was easier than figuring out how to eat healthy? 80%. 52%. Oh, okay. Americans eat how many pounds of dairy products? Uh, uh, in like a year or? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Uh, 10 pounds? Oh, that's light. Maybe. <laughs> 50 pounds a year. 632 pounds of dairy. Okay, see, all of this is coming from my point of view where like I don't eat dairy. Mm-hmm. I, I find doing, finding the next thing to eat is much harder than doing the taxes. <laughs> Guess cheese. How many pounds of cheese? Just cheese. 500 pounds. 31 and 0.4. 31.4 okay. pounds. Of I cheese. overshot that so much. How many pounds of vegetables? 2,000 pounds. 415.4. Okay, we need to eat more <laughs> veggies. <laughs> what do you think the most popular veggies are that are consumed by Americans? Carrots. No. Broccoli. No. Brussels sprouts? No. Oh, celery? No. I'm so bad. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Corn and potatoes. Oh, okay. Okay. Here, we'll do one more of these pounds. How many pounds of meat and poultry? 450 pounds. 183.6. Oh, that's not Oh, here's a good one. How many, over how many donuts are consumed every year in the U.S.? (laughs) Um, 1.2 million. 10 billion. 10 billion? <laughs> Y'all eat more donuts than veggies? Oh, okay. That makes sense. What percentage of all American meals are eaten in the car? Uh, 20%. Yes. <gasps> On the money. Bro, all, okay, that's good. Okay. okay. So these are more cultural specific. Okay. Okay. So what country produces, consumes, and exports the most chili peppers in the world? China. India. In, oh, so close. So it was introduced to India by the Portuguese in the 15th century. What is the third most popular carbohydrate in the world? Potatoes? No, rice. No, potatoes. I'll stick with potatoes. It's cassava. I don't know what that is. 
apparently it is also known as manioc, tapioca, or yuca. Oh, okay. So the top two are rice and wheat. And then sometimes cassava can be eaten like a potato. It can be ground into flour or used to make tapioca balls. So you don't even know the main ingredient of that of the bubbles that you be eating in your drink, in your bubble tea. I know where your food comes from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just looking I it up. Know, Did I you know, know it was going to look like that? Uh-huh. It looks like a root. Yeah, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. But you had like yucca fries and stuff like that. Oh, no, it's yucca. It's not two yeah. C's. We don't know food. We're not food experts. Okay, what percentage of America eats a sandwich every day? 100%. <laughs> 49%. Oh, okay. Oh. What country is home to the most expensive cheese? France? No. U.S.? No. Canada? No. Oh, my gosh. Serbia. Oh. P-U-L-E is the most expensive cheese in the world, and it's made from donkey milk. Yeah, okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what country consumes the most tea per person? China. Yes. But per person. So China consumes more tea overall than any other country, but not per person. Japan. No. UK. No. Uh, One more guess. France. Turkey. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Turkey drank the most tea per capita, 6.961 pounds per person per year. Wow. Mm -hmm. And then what country drinks the most coffee? Uh, the U.S. Mm-mm. U.S. is the 16th. What? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, let's go with Germany. Nope. Oh, um, is it somewhere in the Middle East? No. Okay. You're closer when you said Germany. France. No. The Netherlands. Nether- oh. 2.414 cups per day per capita. And then Finland and Sweden are the second. That's a lot of coffee. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's all the research for right now. So, yeah, what do you think of those facts? They are interesting. I want to know, based on the, like, the tea one in Turkey, right? Like, what what part of the culture is, like, why why do they consume so much, I think they just so consume much, it right? with, like, every meal. You know, like, tur- like Turkish tea, okay. like. Yeah, okay. They have, like, tea times a lot. I don't know. I've never been to Turkey. But that's a good question. Right. That's a good question. Like, why are those things, like, how come 49% of Americans eat a sandwich every day? Right, right. Like, what are the cultural implications for, like, what determines our eating habits or what things we're attracted to or, Right. Know? See, like, I think, I think about that is because 49% of us eat, a, a sandwich every day, right? That's quick and easy. You can make it. You don't have to microwave it. It doesn't right. stink. And we're in a culture right. of like go, 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 capitalism. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Do the damn thing. So, Kong, for my experiential week of eating, what did you have me do? What were my three brave steps? So, the first step I had was that you needed to watch some videos on YouTube, just any cultural food, any recipes that you might want to try on, on, you know, just any video on there. The second step is to go look for that food in the local area. The more authentic, the better. 
and try it. So once you're done with that, the third one is you got to learn how to make it. So you get together with a friend or a group of friends and make that dish and see how your dish compares to them. So step one is learning about the history of that food, right? Like I thought about this a lot because I, I, my, one of my favorite foods is pho. And just thinking about how when I grew up, like I was like, oh, I love this dish. But I never really knew the history of that dish and what, um, how it came to be, right? It, uh, it came to be because of the French um, influence on Vietnam, and we created pho from their dish. I'm going to butcher the name, but pote phao or something. It's some sort, it's a, a soup base. Um, and so we adapted that and um, made it our own, and now it's it's huge right like everybody knows what pho is they've tried it at some sort of level and so just learning about the history of a dish really uh, gets the the culture and how it came to be why it is what it is today and it really lear- you learn about the history of of the people that eat that too so then i think so moving on to step two, try the food with your friends, right? Like this this experience, I thought of step two as being one of the ones where you can bond with your friend over a new dish, right? Like, okay, let's try this. How does it compare to something in uh, something else that we tried wherever? So my friends and I usually try to go to different restaurants and just try the same dish from our favorite restaurant, right? And to see how they compare, right? What what is it about this is different? Or if we're trying a new culture, like a cultural food, a food where we, we've gone like, okay, what are the similarities from this dish? It's like, I always compare it back to my own culture, what I already know. I'm like, oh, this tastes like pho or this tastes like this from this dish and so on and so forth. And then the last part, it's still, again, with the experience of your, your friends or colleagues or whoever you want to have spend some time with you cook that food and see how it compares to what you tried and what you've learned from it so yeah. diving deeper First off, I will tell you that I didn't do the steps in order. <laughs> what I did first was okay, so I was thinking about what is a culture that I want to learn more about? And it's my own, right? So, like, I was born in China and I was adopted when I was nine months old. And so I haven't been back since. And so, with that, I wanted to learn more about traditional Chinese dishes. And I realized I've never really made one before. So I was telling my roommate about this. Her name's Ellie, and you'll hear her in the clips. And she was saying that one of her best friends is an international student from China. And she was like, oh, my friend An would love to like help you learn how to make a dish. So I was like, okay, great, let's do that first. Because I was like, I want to be respectful of her time, blah, blah, blah. So we scheduled a day. We both went to United Noodle together, picked up some ingredients. Great place. And she, the English translation of the name, you'll hear me try to pronounce it in the clip, but it's plain noodle soup. And she explains it. So I'm going to show you, or I'm going to play a clip for you of us kind of cooking and eating it for my step one, but your step three. So here okay. it is. Mm-hmm. Yang. 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 Chun. 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 Chun.
，阳春面，阳春面，阳春面，春春春春面面面面，阳春面，阳春面。Now Asian Chinese people usually eat it on their birthday because this noodle is very thin and long, so they want people to live longer. So that's why they eat it on their birthday. And I just eat it normally because I love this noodle. <laughs> Actually, we should eat it immediately when once it's done, unless it will be fat. It's fatter than we bought. So what's in it? What's in the sauce? Oh, uh, it has、uh, vinegar and soy sauce, green onion, black pepper powder, and that's all. Okay. Yay! Okay, let's all take a bite together and react audibly. What do you think? Taste of vinegar. Is strong.、Mm-hmm. Okay. Should we put more soy sauce、well, in it? If you want, yeah. How's the yeah, beef? Yeah, sure. Hmm. The beef is good.、Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm glad that you like the beef. So that was a little clip about us making and eating um the the meal, and I'm gonna show Kong a video. So this was kind of like the process. So she was telling me I need to put the noodles in the bowl, and then with the beef, we just boiled the beef. And then pour some of the broth in there, which really wasn't broth; it was just water, because then she made this sauce, or I, like I, we made this sauce that she found on her own. It was a recipe that she found, and then that was kind of how we we made it. That's that's it. The noodles were super super thin. This is what it looked like. Okay. And I thought it tasted pretty good. It was a little—I don't know. I think the flavor may have been a little bit off when we first ate it because she was saying, "Oh, there's too much vinegar." And then, yeah. But another thing—I think that lines up with a lot of、uh, different cultural things that I grew up learning as well. Too, she said that you know the noodles are long, so you want you eat it for your birthday to wish yourself a longer life, right? Funny enough, the Chinese New Year's was or Lunar New Year. Just happened this last weekend, so it's the year of the rat now. And so one thing that a lot of people that celebrate Lunar New Year do is that the children wish their their elders, their parents, a a successful year, right? A, a year, a lot of really good things that come to you during this upcoming year, right? To get that the little red envelope with money in there, and so a lot of really cool things about about like. Where where it comes from, right? Another thing that came up was how we were eating. So I'm gonna play another clip for you.、Okay. I want to know why or how can you guys manage to not make that sound while eating noodles? What sound? Why? Why do you think, Ellie? Because it's rude. Yeah, I was told growing up too that you shouldn't make noises. Like you shouldn't chew your food really loud. You should close your mouth when you're chewing. You shouldn't slurp. Because it's disturbing to other people、mm-hmm. trying to eat. And people that slurped, you're like judging them. Mhm. Actually,、mm. asked how how you guys managed to not. I think I, I think I naturally do. Like when I was younger, I I would just like mmm yum I'm eating it, and then I'd get reprimanded. So then I started to train my myself、mm-hmm. to not do it. Mhm. I actually train myself to not do it when I'm eating any other kind of food. Only not. What、noodles. else would you slurp? Um, like when you chew, tea. Or, tea, you can't help it. 
It's so you, you slurp that too. It's hot. So anything that's hot and liquidy, you slurp. It's it's so hot. You can't just drink it. It's gonna burn your tongue. That's why you and because you have to pay more attention to control the sound. So your brain just shifted attention to taste the food. It's mm. it's less delicious. It's all it's the same when you chew things with your mouth open. So normally we don't open our mouth when chewing food. Because it takes away the flavor. It takes away the flavor. Mm-hmm. I seriously think so. So yeah, slurping that came up when we were eating. So not even just what we were eating, it was how we were eating it was something that An noticed was just like a cultural difference of how come they're not like how come they're eating so silently when we're eating the noodles you shouldn't do that <laughs> i i think that thinking about the, the the cultural differences right like me coming here i eat with people in school and if it's like something even eating spaghetti i'll slurp it like it doesn't have to be hot or anything it's just that that type of noodle like or like just that type of food or a soup, right? I really have to control how I think about which setting I'm in, right? Even today I was eating lunch with Grant and I'm like, I'm having soup. I can't slurp it because this is not the manners of the area that I'm I'm in right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like what your friend said about uh, shifting your attention over to not slurping and really you're like, oh, I'm not slurping. I have to not slurp and you can't really enjoy the food where if i'm i'm out to eat like pho with my pho with my friends I, it doesn't matter because we all have we all have the same idea right like we're all slurping away and it really is something that you have to train yourself you even mentioned that you got reprimanded as a kid if you were slurping i think that's just a, such a big cultural difference is that mannerism that you uh, you're trained to have like this isn't good manners to to slurp or you're going to judge another person because they're slurping and like yeah just eat however you want to eat so my step two was your step one so after uh we made the noodle it seemed like it wasn't perfect and so i wanted to learn why i searched youtube for the dish and Nicki minaj's song chun lee came up (laughs) (laughs) so there was nothing on the noodle So I was like, okay, YouTube is a bust. I'm leaving. And then I was able to find a recipe that talked about the specific noodle dish. And the things that were missing, I noticed, were homemade chicken broth. Didn't do that. So Mm -hmm. that could definitely, because the noodles are fine. So all of it's really just like the broth and the, the seasonings. And then pork lard. Didn't use pork lard. Light and dark soy sauce. We only used light. Mm-hmm. And then sugar and scallions. So we didn't do that. We used. So then I did some more research and found out that what are the five key flavors that must be balanced according to traditional Chinese medicine? What are your guesses? In, in food? Yeah. Sweet, sour, spicy. Mm-hmm. Two more. Umami and saltiness. Salty and bitter. Oh, oh, which bitter. I hadn't. I didn't okay. think of bitter. I kind of predicted the other ones, but not bitter. Something that was also really interesting was when I was researching about d- the different kinds of noodles. I learned that the colder, drier north areas of China 
favor wheat production. So things like dumplings, wheat noodles, steam buns, stuffed buns. Whereas the South, they primarily eat like rice and rice noodles and they only occasionally eat wheat. Which is really interesting to me because I was born in the Southern part of China and I like rice noodles way more than I like wheat <laughs> noodles. I don't know if that's to do with anything, but you know, maybe my ancestors, They all were used to eating rice noodles. I don't know. It was really cool to learn also about Chinese medicine, how they believe that food must be eaten in season to combat too much yin, cold weather, and yang, hot weather. So for an example, they would have huge white radishes with high yang. They're very popular in the winter, which is really interesting because that's kind of aligned with like Ayurveda, which I've learned about, like Ayurvedic cooking, which I learned about in yoga school. So learning about the different seasons in yoga terms, it's like vata. So you eat warm soup or khichri during the winter. So I thought those research points were kind of interesting. I found some more trivia. We'll do it super quick. So China uses how many pairs of chopsticks a year? Ooh, um, 10 billion. Oh, that's pretty high. 10, uh, sorry, 45 million. Oh, okay. And then, <laughs> yeah. So that's two or three pairs a month for a 1.4 billion population. Okay. But the government actually imposed a disposable chopstick tax to reduce the usage right. of disposable mm-hmm. chopsticks. So continued on my research. I did a little because I wanted to watch a video. So all of that was reading. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. let me find a video. On Netflix, I found Flavorful Origins, which is the mm-hmm. culinary traditions of China. There's an episode on Hai Teal. I might I probably am pronouncing that wrong. How would you pronounce that? Uh you I mean I pronounce it the same way. Okay. Um, one of the quotes that I wrote down from that was simplicity and complexity are separated only by a flash of thought. I thought that was kind of cool when they were talking mm-hmm. about food. And then I learned about guo sheets and strips, like the Hakanese will make them. And the process of making the noodle, like I feel like this was so different. Like there's a, such a long process. Even after you make the sheets, you have to wait 10 minutes for it to cool. And then two centimeters, maybe less than two millimeters for some of them for cutting the individual noodle strips. And then the same symbolism of like a bowl of guo strips symbolizes a long strip of a bond. And like the memory of a taste connects the people to their hometown. So I thought that was really cool. Mm. So I watched that, those videos. So I thought that was cool. I liked seeing the process and all the people who like owned restaurants, they would wake up super early before the restaurant even opened to go prepare all of the food. So I just have a deeper appreciation for when I do go to non-chain restaurants and get really quality food they give all the hard work that they and time that goes into it right like just thinking about that right even at the beginning of the our conversation you talked about one of the facts was a, a burger maybe from mcdonald's has 100 cows in it right like whereas if you go to a restaurant where it's somebody putting that hard work in where somebody is uh, waking up at five in the morning, four in the morning to come in to make those noodles, it's it's a very different experience, right? And you're bonding over two very different things. One is like, oh, I have to rush to work. I'm just going to stop here and grab this. And one is, hey, I'm going to sit down and enjoy a conversation with my friend over this nice bowl of soup or have a conversation with my family over this whatever you're eating. And so it's it's very different experiences. And I think that's that's really cool to think about where where those things come from, right? Mm-hmm. So the final step was going to a restaurant. 
and trying it out. So I couldn't find the exact noodle, but something that was super, super close was the Szechuan beef at Legendary Spice. So okay. I got that. I'm gonna play the clip for you of me and my roommate Ellie eating it. Okay, we're trying the Szechuan beef noodle. It's the closest thing that I could find from Legendary Spice. Here we go. Are you gonna slurp? Sure. <laughs> the noodles, we like got the noodles pretty, like the actual noodle. Pretty solid. That was a broth. Broth tastes different. Yeah, it's a little spicier. I also say the noodles are a little bit thicker, but mm -hmm. I think they look like they're made from wheat, so that's the same. I don't think we did a bad job. Mm -mm. This is good too, though, for sure. Mm. I think the main mistake we made was the broth. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't get actual broth. But I feel like that was how we were supposed to make it, right? Like that was the recipe. I, yeah, the one that Ann found, but another recipe that I found, there's a bunch of other stuff that we didn't add. Mm, I see. She picked the easiest one, but Maybe. I can't blame her. Maybe. So something that we I didn't include in the clip was then we started talking about like the texture of the beef and how we thought the beef that they made was way softer and it was different than the beef that we made, the boiled beef, and we preferred that. So I just thought it was really interesting because Ellie and I are roommates, so we eat meals together all the time. And normally we eat them kind of mindlessly or while doing other things like watching TV. And so it was really cool. That was a cool experience for us to be able to like describe the texture and the taste and the different things that we liked about the foods because I guess on a surface level, the difference between like Ellie and I is that I really love spicy foods and she does not. But I learned more about the different kinds of like textures and like flavors that she likes in her food just by discussing it and eating it. So we like unintentionally practiced mindful eating. Yeah, I think that's really great because um, you you never really think about what you're you're eating until you actually like think about it, right? Like you you you're like, oh, okay, this is just like a piece of pork chop or whatever, and you're just ingesting it. Maybe you're like busy in conversation or something, but like whenever you actually stop to think about it, like, oh, this is better than the last time I had it, or this is different than the last time I had something. So like, yeah, that's cool. It is time for Kong to give me a brave score. So 1 to 10 and explain why you gave me that score and reflect on any of the steps, the way I approached it, the way I thought about things. Go ahead. I would say I give you an 8. The reason behind that score is re really not your fault. It was because you couldn't find the dish, right? And so that's, that's totally fine because like not a lot of Chinese dishes in the area might not be as authentic as like where you would go in, in, in China, right? Like if you, now that it's probably a more common dish, I'm, I'm not sure, I've never had that one before, but thinking about like if you were to have the same dish, right? Like if you were to have, let's say, pepperoni pizza, right? Like you can compare that more easily between three different restaurants than you could with like something that's similar. And so there's that. Another reason why I think closer to eight, because I one of the reasons why I gave you the option of like going to try some ethnic food is because I know we talked about like exploring your roots a little bit last year. And so this was a really good opportunity for you to take that up and really learn about 
Chinese cuisine and just like where things come from. And so I was like, okay, this is cool. I was really glad that you you took that up and learned a lot more about Chinese cooking, what is involved in that, and the the culture of of Chinese cooking. And so yeah, great. Yeah, I think retrospectively, I could have upped my score if I like talked to the people at the restaurant, maybe, and mm-hmm. even asked them like what their process is, what ingredients they think are essential. If they thought personally that that dish was close to the dish that I made, so or I could have even brought it to them and had them try my version. <laughs> I could have been way extra with that, but I didn't. But yeah, I really enjoyed the experience. I enjoyed the experience of learning more. I have access. I watch Netflix all the time. I've just never watched Flavorful Origins before. So I probably would have never clicked on that if it wasn't for this step. So I really appreciated that. I really hope you continue to learn about Chinese cooking, right? And if you want to explore that part of your, your culture, I think that's a great step to start of like, well, this is a cool, cool thing to do is... If you take this experience and like, okay, I want to learn about more about this food, but it's also a good opportunity to like, okay, sit down and eat with somebody and learn more about them while you're at that. And so, yeah. For sure. You are not alone. So this segment is to remind everyone that you are not alone. We all eat, we all have different experiences with eating. Food and eating can be a difficult topic to discuss. For some people, eating can make you really nauseous or really anxious. Eating disorders are not uncommon, so I'm gonna link a local program called the EMILY program to check that out if that's something that you're interested in or if you think someone that you know would benefit from that. We also wanna hear from you. Comment on our Instagram post or um, Facebook or Twitter, wherever you follow us or send some feedback. Letting us know, were you surprised by any of the food facts that we shared today? Have you ever tried to make a traditional dish from your country? of origin or ethnic background and couldn't even pronounce the name correctly like me do you try to see how much you can multitask while you're eating or do you eat mindfully share with us how you have been brave with this topic thank you so much for listening to today's episode on eating huge thank you to kong for being on the show prescribing the brave steps and sharing his stories thank you for having me kong will be announcing the next episode's topic which is Breathing. Breathing. Please check out the resources page of the website, www.bravemomentpodcast.com, and the blog for this episode, which includes all the steps and recipes. If you're not already doing so, follow Brave Moment Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you're not already doing so, if you'd like to receive emails whenever a new episode is released, visit the bottom of the homepage of the website to sign up.